All right. Good morning, Community Church. Welcome this morning. Well, thanks for those that are here on time and ready to go. But I have this I have this image in my heart and mind. You know, you know how it is in the morning. You wake up. Of course, there's the exceptions. Many of us are dozy when we wake up, but there's some rare individuals who seem to be broken, who are suddenly alert. No matter, I mean, first thing in the morning was four or five or six, but most of us wake up a little slower than that. You know, you kind of make your way down. You have your cup of coffee. Maybe after your second cup of coffee, you're starting to wake up. You're starting to engage in a real way with the world. That that pattern is uh, similar to what happens to us spiritually. Listen, heaven is waiting. The supply of God is here. The river of God, it, it's not wait, it's, it's flowing somewhere. It's, it's flowing in the atmosphere. How long are we going to take to tap into it? How long are we going to take? And you may think, well, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm having a pretty good weekend. But there are people whose lives are hanging in the balance who aren't having a good weekend who may be aren't even here right now people's lives are broken and 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 in pieces this morning and what they need what they need is the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven and you know what that is what is on us this morning we can tap into the life of god and in the, in the pre-service prayer i was reminded once again of the visitation that john g lake had how many of you heard of John G. Lake, right? I mean, an amazing apostolic leader who tapped into the healing flow of God. And this angel visited him and was pointing at Acts chapter 2. And he was, he was longing for, Lord, what, is, what does revival look like? And he points at those words and he says, John, contend for this. Contend for this. He said, what he's saying is this is available every day of your existence. This is not reserved for a unique point in time. This overflow of the spirit that changed the earth is available every day of your life. What if this morning, what if this morning we could with hunger lean in to a level of the presence of God that would forever change our life? Heaven is waiting for your faith to say, God, I'm hungry. I want something different in my life right now. This morning could, it, could be, be the beginning of a new life. You could define your life before today and after today if we tapped in. So, Father, we say in Jesus' name, awaken us to the possibilities. Awaken us to the possibilities that you have already made available for us. Let's lean in. We're going to go back into this just for a couple minutes here in a second, but I feel like there's two things happening here today. I feel like there's those in the room that you feel like there's just this window and it's been easy to come in and worship. It's been easy to raise your hands. It's been easy to lift your voice. And then I feel like there's this other group today that it's been hard to navigate through this worship service because there's been these obstacles that have been in the way. Little things that keep popping up in your mind. Little things that keep uh, taking your mind and focusing on these struggles, these issues, these problems. 
And I feel like again right now, the Lord's reminding me two weeks I talked to a little bit about Zacchaeus. And again, about the goal when we get into these phases is not to be distracted by all the things around us, but to climb higher. And as we climb higher, we begin to shift the gaze of the Father towards us. And in order to shift all of our circumstances, it isn't what we can do. It's what He does. And the only way this all begins to shift is when the gaze of the Father is on us. And in order to do that, maybe it means we have to push a little harder. Maybe it means we got to raise our hands a little higher. Maybe it means we got to lift our voice a little higher. Whatever it is, let's take these next two minutes, and I'm going to ask you to push yourself a little bit. Not to focus on the stuff that's in the way, but to focus on the king, because he's the only way out of it. Can we do that for the next two minutes? Can we choose to give all glory to him? Because he is the answer. He is the solution. There's no other way out. So climb up. Get closer to him. Let the gaze of the Father shift right now. So come on. Let's go. Oh, God, may that be true right there. You alone I long to worship. God, may that be the truth. May that be the thing right now that shifts in our heart. Father, we're singing the words, but we want that to be true. You alone, God. You alone I long to worship. All that other stuff right now, we drop it to the ground. You alone, God. You alone, God. We long to worship. more there's a breakthrough there's a breakthrough just ahead of you there's a finish line just ahead of you are you going to let your breakthrough escape father we declare today the majesty the glory we declare parkland county to be the possession of the Most High God. The Most High God. We declare the airwaves belong to Him. In the name of Jesus, I break the curses off of the minds of the people in this county, in Jesus' name. Come on, can you say amen? Is your faith is your faith there? In, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let my people go. Let my people go.
Let me just say something this morning. We are here as sons of the Most High God, children of God, heirs of the promise of God. We are called to sit with him in heavenly places. And Paul made it very clear, our battle is against principalities and powers. I long for the day. I long for the day when we can gather with a full, the full knowledge of what it is we are up against. Because the warfare is invisible to us, yet we battle not against flesh or blood. Our problem is not people that aren't saved. Our problem is not the government. Our problem is not uh, the, the administration of the society around us. Our problem is principalities and power that govern the realm of the spirit over which we have authority. But every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time we gather... We have to come out of the slumber. We have to come out of the lethargy. We have to come out of the apathy. We have to come out of the dullness that seeks to convince us that this realm is not really pertinent to our life. But I'm telling you, it's everything. What we are facing here today is the difference between life and death. The difference between revival and spiritual lockdown is not up in heaven. It's not being decided in the courtroom of God. It's being decided here on earth by the administrators of the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand that? We are the administrators of the kingdom of heaven. You, 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 you are the administrators of the kingdom of heaven. If you believe that, what you say determines what occurs. If you believe that. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now in a minute, I'm going to share a word. It may have nothing to do with what we just did. But then again, it might. But uh, I did want to take a moment to introduce a couple of friends of ours. Uh, Barry and Judy, why don't you guys come up here. Just come and say hello. These are some dear friends of ours that uh, live just slightly south of us. In the Sylvan Lake area, there's Judy and uh, Barry and Judy Wunsch. Anyway, do you want to say hello? You know, I just, I just love you guys. Uh, coming in this morning, it just, you know, we've been in a couple of events with Alberta LinkedIn, and I just it, it, coming into the house today just feels like family. And uh, and I just the spirit in which you guys carry and what you're doing, you, you may not realize. No, far greater than what you know. And I, I saw this morning, I was taking, I saw like the, the, these uh, missiles being released out of strategic, strategic intercessory assignments, both in the spirit and in the natural. And so I just honor you. I know it comes with a great cost. And... Uh, your blessing, not only to the community here, but to the nations. And so I just honor you. I honor the leadership in this place and, and, and the minstrels and what you carry. I pray that this, you know, what you guys run in to open the portals like you do. 
this nation, you don't know what you have. You know, when you're in the middle of it, I don't know if you really appreciate what you're doing, and, and, but I honor you, and I just pray for increase. I, I just declare and decree increase over this house. Lord, they're already laying it down, and they're already doing some amazing things. But Lord, I ask that you'd even come this next season and expand it more, Lord, only as you can. Oh, you're loved. You have anything? I just want to say, you know, most of you are probably all family here, and, and this is your home. I just want to say, do not ever take this for granted. Enter in every day into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And we need to go even deeper and be brought up higher where we can actually see what he is doing and no longer see where the enemy is, what he's doing. We can see where he's at. But this is how we fight our battles. Don't ever take it for granted. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. So this last week, I, I was on a couple of calls. I was on one with uh, uh, the, the reset on Wednesday morning, and uh, Dean Briggs was bringing something about the body and blood, and I won't be able to bring what he was bringing, but it's really worth looking into because I believe there's a revelation coming about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, what it represents, what we're doing when we take communion, what we're remembering, and not only that, but the the, the power that's released by faith. You know, things don't have power just because they're of a certain shape, but when they represent something that your faith uh, believes in, then you unlock the power of that spiritual reality by touching that physical reality. And so we see this where Paul, the apostle, did special miracles. Remember, he did special miracles. What were those? He laid hands on handkerchiefs, right? And those handkerchiefs, when they were taken to the sick, they were healed. And they were touched on them. So a lot of people said, hey, that's what we should do. We should, uh, you know, anoint handkerchiefs. And some people have made a fortune getting water from the Jordan. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, it, it's not the issue of the thing. It's not the issue of the bread. It's not the issue of whether it's wine or juice or, or, or water even. It's a matter of what is it you believe is being unlocked? Do you see the thing behind the thing? Do you see what's behind the bread? Do you see what's behind the laying on of hands? Do you see when you're anointed with oil, do you see the spiritual oil that is unlocked by faith, the faith of the recipient and the faith of the one who's doing the hands laying, right? The natural things represent the spiritual things, but their effectiveness does not hinge on the fact that we got the natural things correct. Their effectiveness hinges on the fact that you believe. That's what unlocks. You believe, therefore you experience. And so that's, I was saying this morning, you know, that's one of the the trouble, the problems with coming back is when I go away, when I travel across the world to Finland and we're doing an event, 
People are hungry and they've, they've waited for months for us to come. And so they come to the meetings with a heightened expectation that they can't necessarily furnish every week, you know, for their, the guy that they see. Because, you know, it's kind of like Jesus. He couldn't do mighty works in his hometown because he grew up there. It's like, isn't this, isn't this Jesus? You know, aren't her, his brothers and, and sister living in town here? Like, isn't that the carpenter's son? So the, uh, the fact that he is, has a natural life, the fact that he has a natural history, negates their ability to see the significance of who he is. And so that's what happens to me. When I come back here, you guys, right, who have been in my house and you know me and you know, I, you know, I, I got normal things. I got stinky feet and bad breath. I, 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 I have bad days and good days. You know, there's a tendency to not see what's represented behind people. But when I go over there, there's this release of power and grace that's amazing. And it's not because I'm a different person. It's because the expectation of the people is different. Right? It's your faith. Your faith. How many times did Jesus minister a miracle, but he, and he said to them, your faith has made you well? Yeah, that's a lot of responsibility, eh? Uh, I want to share something here. We've been working on uh, an initiative called Alberta Linked, and uh, I think you all know what we're talking about there. And the Alberta Linked initiative is based on a vision that God has for a bride, a people, a church, a company of, of believers who are walking in oneness. We are called to walk together in oneness. And so God is creating this body in the earth, this body of people over whom Jesus will be the head. But we are the body. We are the body. And uh I just can't tell you how eager I am to see the fullness of this body. And, it be, and, and the, the barrier to the fullness of that is not some agenda that God has. It's the willingness of the people involved. So even this morning, there's, there needs to be a willingness. And sometimes, you know, uh, we, we depend on the music or exhortations or things. You know, we come to church and we don't necessarily always have a high expectation. So we as leaders and the musicians, we're trying to, hey, let's bring you into a realm of the spirit. And the reason we have to do that is because the natural minded uh, focus that we have takes us away from the spirit realm. And the, so we spend the first 45 minutes of every service trying to get some of us engaged, some of us not just spectators and looking and listening and enjoying. Well, I don't, fa- that's not my favorite song. I could care less whether it's your favorite or not. We're, we're, we're trying to step into a realm. You are called to step into a realm because when you step into that realm, the atmosphere that's behind that door that you're stepping through, that threshold starts to enter into the room where you are. It's no different than, you know, in the middle of winter when you open that front door, what happens? Hey, close the door, right? Because you hate that atmosphere that's suddenly invading the space. All your hot air is going out the door and all that cold air is coming in. Well, here's what happens when we gather, when we come and worship. If we effectively open up a significant door, an atmosphere of heaven rushes in and invades this place. Hallelujah. Now, 
you may, you may be you may be the recipient of that. You may be aware of when it happens, but you may not know that we are actually doing that. Hello. This is not some mystical will of God being worked out in heavenly places aside from our participation. This is the effect of our faith. The effect of your faith. That's why guys like William Booth said this. He said, I'm not waiting for a revival. I am a revival. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth that said that if God's not moving, I move him. And people said, what? How arrogant. And he was saying basically this. God is always moving. God is always alive. God is always breathing. God is always speaking. God is always releasing something. But most of us never miss it because we don't tap into it. It's always available. That's why the apostle Paul said this. He said, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Now, if I said that and it wasn't in the Bible, some of you would cry heresy. What does that mean? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means that you turn it on and you turn it off. That means you turn on the tap of the water of the release of the prophetic atmosphere and you turn it off. You have charge over that. But here's our our journey. We we start as children. We don't know we don't know that we have authority because actually we don't and we don't have, we don't know. We don't not have authority because it's not given to us. We don't have authority because we don't believe. And so as you begin to grow, you start to realize, wow, this thing happened to me here and it happened to me here and it happened to me here. And I started to realize, I'm wondering if it could happen all the time if I just believed. And that's what maturity is. You start to realize that you, there's something in you that can be released every time you decide to release it. Hallelujah. What makes a prayer meeting powerful? What makes, what makes a home group powerful? What makes a worship service in a building like this powerful? Is it the music? Is it the administration? Is it the trappings of the decor and the aesthetics? No. It's the people here that are opening the window of heaven and releasing an atmosphere. Suddenly, everything becomes beautiful. That's why you can sing the same song one week and the same song the next week and there'll be radically different responses. It's the same song, but not the same faith because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Uh, I wasn't even meaning to talk on this, but here's where it ties in. It ties into this because I saw, and I, I started writing this back February 4th this year. But I, I, I haven't finished the article, but this is what I wrote. I saw the body of Christ. I saw the body. I saw the body. I, I, we were in prayer, and I saw this, uh, uh, this beautiful structure of a, of a people operating in a cooperative way that were in full agreement with every moving part of that body. There was a synergy in the body. There was a beauty. There was a completeness, a wholeness, and a fullness. But more importantly, there was, there was a synergy of agreement in that body that was breathtaking. I saw it. And the words uh, rang in my heart where Jesus, and it's written in Hebrews, a body thou hast prepared for me. And this is what I see, that God is raising up a body of people on the earth. 
He's bringing us into a place of complete unity where there is no hostility towards the other parts of the body. You know what happens when you when one part of the body has hostility towards another part of the body? You have autoimmune disease. You, ha- you have a situation where the body is destroying itself, where the body has no ability to recognize that what it's antagonistic towards is actually belongs there. It's a part of the body. And that, that antagonism and hostility from those white blood cells that are being released or whatever is not necessary because this part belongs. And so that natural disease represents the greatest thing that we need to overcome today. It is, it is this drive in us for independence significance, glory, superiority, and elitism that causes us to resent other parts of the body when they're operating in, the, in their gifting. Hello, autoimmune disease. So the Lord in heaven is sitting there and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he's waiting, <laughs> he's waiting for the fullness which is a people who are Uh, at peace with one another. But more than that, they have an ability to honor the other parts of the body. Now, man, these are things we learn in Bible college to say. (laughs) But you realize the outworking of it can take years for you to actually function towards because everybody has ever been born has been born with a need for security and significance, uh, a need for recognition, a need for, uh, you know, some kind of sense of resolve in that they belong and that they are important to the world around them. But the enemy taps into that need for significance and twists it into something else that's coercive and oppressive and controlling. And so, but God is, God is waiting for a body that comes together. So here, here's the deal. God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. And he sat down until. Say until. Until his enemies are made his footstool. So if God's not doing it, and Jesus is not doing it, like he sat down, who's doing it? Apostle Paul said the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Under your feet. Anyway, uh, I don't want to go on and on too much about this, but I saw this revelation of a body, and uh, it was absolutely beautiful, and there's so many ways to look at that. But uh, this last week we were talking about this, and I was just reminded again, of the significance of the communion and the sharing. Because when we are eating of this, we are remembering what Jesus did the night he died. When he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood drink. And so often as you do it, you remember, uh, you know, you remember the death of the cross. And so Jesus is telling us to do this. But this, this bread, this body, this thing, Right it was broken for you, and every part of it is valuable. 
And what he's saying is this, this body represents not only my body, which was broken, but the body that I'm raising up. The body that I'm raising up. And so they, we have these instructions. We'll deal with that in a minute. We have these instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, if you're familiar, verse 23, right down to verse 26, uh, which concludes with verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And that proclamation of the death also includes the resurrection, right? Because without death, there's no resurrection. And so he's saying, listen, through the death that I died, you're, when you participate in this, you're proclaiming that death because that death is the key to all the victory that you experience. So you're remembering that. Now, if you drink it just cause, and eat just because you're hungry, just because your tummy's growling, just because it's the right thing to do, just because, well, it's my turn, you know, I, uh, we, I need to go up and have the cup, uh, you're not actually remembering the resurrection. You're just going through the motions. So what does that mean? That means that there is significance in this, but the significance is not measured to you unless you believe. And to the degree that you acknowledge and believe, it's measured to you. So, but he goes on. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus. Uh-oh, we'll be guilty of the body and blood of Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that you would show us what it means, Father, to honor your body. Father, we ask for a spirit of revelation. You know, I feel like we're leaning into a realm of knowledge that we don't understand. And, and every time I try to talk about it, I start to talk about it, I feel this kickback of vagueness, this opaque sort of misty darkness is trying to disengage our ability to see the significance of this because there is a mystery here that God is unlocking for his end time church about the body and blood and the enemy is desperate to keep this from happening because if you start to recognize the power that you have if you start to see what has been made available to you through the death of Jesus Christ, you will become unstoppable. There will be nothing the enemy can throw against you. So, now, where does this picture come from? Well, it goes right back to the first Passover. And I won't go to the scriptures or anything, but let me just give you a brief overview. The Passover, remember that? Egypt. Right? The plagues are coming down. The last plague is that your firstborn will die. And so they, they were, a provision was made. The blood of the lamb was sprinkled on the doorposts, and on the lentils, and uh, on the thresholds of the openings of the house. And, and basically that blood made sure that when the spirit of death came, that spirit of death would not touch anybody who was protected by the blood. The, the blood of the lamb that was slain. That's why, of course, we call Jesus the lamb of God. He is the lamb of God who was slain. It is to give you protection against the spirit of death that would come against you. Now, here's the thing. It's, it's a funny thing. You know, over the years, as we've been learning about spiritual warfare and different things and engaging the enemy, sometimes people say, well, be careful how you engage the enemy because, you know, you might, you might kick back. He might kick back, and you might be vulnerable if he kicks back. Well, yes, you might be, but not because the blood is insufficient. 
Oh. I mean, everybody who was in the building when the spirit of death came over was shielded from that death. They were untouched. They were untouched. And it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, their present moral perfection. It had to do with them recognizing the value of this thing so much that they did it. And they put the blood on the... It was a symbol of a confidence that would come for a people in the future. It was a symbol that you and I are part of something that we can have the very spirit of death, the destroyer, come into our city. The, a plague that would kill 10,000 on our right hand and 1,000 on our right side, but will not come near us because we have a covering. Now, here's the thing. This is not like many movies where, you know, uh, there's a ceremony. And if you do the ceremony absolutely perfectly, then you, you get a pass. But if you do it wrong, if you say the magic words out of order, or if you mispronounce some of the magic words or you don't put enough on, you, you know, have you ever seen those movies, you know, all these magic things and all kinds of, and it's all based on the superstitious, you know, execution of the ritual. Well, in the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with the perfect execution of the ritual. It has to do with the alignment that's in your heart relative to the significance of that thing that was done. And so what he starts to warn them about, about partaking in the body and the blood, becoming guilty of the body of blood, doesn't have to do with moral perfection on your side, but on, on your life, but it has to do with how you look at the rest of the body. So let me, let me go on and, and read this. And I, we don't have that much time, and I'm sorry we're going to go over here, but, but this is what he says. He says, basically, you know, verse 27, you don't want to be guilty of the body and blood. So let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Okay, so what we do, we tell people, oh, yeah, all right, don't, don't do it with sin in your life. That's not what he's saying. He's say, saying, listen, this is not about making sure, right, you know, that, that there's, how do I say this? There's this tormenting fear over our lives around superstitious alignment of doing things absolutely perfectly. That's not the kind of examination, that Jesus is saying, you know, make sure, but you better confess every bad thought. I remember I, when I first had communion, I, Lord Jesus, forgive me everything if I had a bad thought or anything, because I don't want to eat this and die. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So I just, I, 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 forgive me for my thoughts, forgive me for my thinking, forgive me, you know, for my doing, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, forgive, you know, I remember I had this thing, I want to make sure, fully covered. Superstition. Superstition. It's not about covering yourself that way. It's about a deeper thing. What is your posture towards the rest of the body? That's what it's really about. Now, let me quickly remind you, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, what is it about? It's about division. It's about division. The whole book, it's, it's about Christians fighting. He writes, as I hear from Chloe's people, that there are divisions among you. It said, you know, people are not getting along. And, and he gives this metaphorical or this uh, allegorical picture of 
uh, of four different apostolic leaders. He said, you guys are dividing into camps. You're siloing against one another. You're, you're lining up behind ministries. Oh, we like the prophetic ministry. Oh, oh, well, yeah, but evangelism is everything. No, pastoral ministry is everything. You know, and, and there's this hostility between the different parts of the body. He said, you guys are aligning, and I'm using Apollos and, and, and these other names, Cephas, uh, as a representation of those divisions. But the problem is division. There's this hostility between the different flavors of ministry, between the different camps, and that hostility is a problem. That basic uh, desire to disqualify others so that what you're doing will seem to be more qualified in the eyes of others, that's a problem. So how does he summarize it? Here's, here's what he says. For he who drinks eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. What's the outcome? Verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. In other words, the spirit of death is always coming against you. Curses, witchcraft, attacks, you know, and, and our lives is a story of up and down, you know, overcoming, then the effectiveness, we have three bad weeks, and then we have two good weeks, and then we know we have a prayer meeting, well, that, I have to keep going to that prayer meeting, because after I went to that prayer meeting, I had two really good weeks, and, and, you know, you're trying to figure out the equations for success. I'll tell you the equation for success, honor the body of Christ. Love your brothers and sisters, that's what he's saying. That, that's the equation for immunity against the spirit of death. You know, not this myopic analysis of everything you said or ever did, but a a posture where you are holding in check any hostility towards brothers and sisters. So he's saying, listen, the spirit of death is coming, and you have this provision of the blood of Jesus, of the sacrificed body of Jesus, the Lamb of God for you, such that that spirit of death should pass over your life. But he said, look it, there's some people in your midst, they're sick and they're dead. What does that mean? There was a touchdown point for that spirit. Oh, I guess they didn't, you know, repent properly before they ate the bread. No, no, no. They, see... Why am I saying that? Because you can, you can come to church and then say the right thing in the right way. Oh, Lord, for, forgive me for resenting Galen. You know, forgive me for you know, cursing that guy. Forgive me for giving that guy the finger on the freeway. Forgive me for, you know, all of these things. That's not what it's about. It's the basic disposition that you are against people constantly, that you are uh, given to murmuring criticizing and cursing your brothers and sisters. He's saying, like, like there's mercy, but, but you have to discern the Lord's body. You have to discern the Lord's body. Because when we do that and we celebrate, what we're getting is the provision of Passover. What we're getting is the full protection of the kingdom of heaven and all of its armies, and the glory of God that can be our rear guard. We are entering, listen, here's the beauty. This church is entering a time when we will confront spiritual powers of immense influence across this land, and we will be untouched by the enemy 
We will be immune to everything he throws against us. Our finances will be protected. Our homes will be protected. Our children will be protected. Our possessions will be protected because we will be drawing on the full provision of the sacrifice of Jesus. And the pivotal issue between whether we uh, make the use, whether we exploit the power of that protection or not, is not the myopic analysis of everything you did this week, but what is your general disposition towards your brother? Do you curse with your mouth? Are you against the church down the street? Do you See, this is what's happening. God is developing us a heart for the body of Christ. And what I've realized, okay, this is my, my testimony. I've realized that as God has erased my need to be significant in the eyes of everybody, it's opened a window of opportunity for me to start valuing the body. And here's what I'm finding. My authority is rising and rising and rising. Not because I'm doing things better than I was before. I'm a good speaker or anything. It's what God is doing in my heart. I just don't have that hostility against people that used to be there because they didn't speak in tongues or because they're, you know, or this type of Christian or because they didn't like me or, you know, all of these things. All of that is coming. I mean, it's diminishing in me. And with that diminishment is the increase of his protection. There is immunity for you. Immunity. No sickness. No depression. No darkness. No inroads, no witchcraft, no curses. Complete, entire, full, inexhaustive amounts of the resources of heaven. This is what he says. Listen, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So when you're suddenly feeling vulnerable, Right? Oh, what what dies did I? What eyes did I not dot? What T's did I not cross? No, no, no. Who are you resenting? Who do you not like that you've indulged and justified? Who have you spoken evil against? Hallelujah. So we're going to celebrate communion today, and I really wanted to do it with. Uh, with the bread, the living bread, the fresh bread. Let's close our eyes right now. And Father, we want to honor your body. We want, to, we want to say, God, thank you for the Baptists. We want to say thank you, Lord, for the Pentecostals. Thank you for the Charismatics. Thank you for the word faith. Thank you for, if there's any vineyard people left, uh, the, the vineyards, you know, uh, Father, we bless the parts of the body. We bless, bless the pastoral. We pl- bless the apostolic. We bless the evangelists. Oh, God, we need the evangelists in this season. Father, in Jesus' name, we say, Lord, break in us the hostility, the inability to value fully the other parts of the body that seem to emphasize things that are not as important to us. God, we need the emphasis that they carry in their heart. Bring the fullness, Lord, of the body to work here in Spruce Grove. In Jesus' name. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this bread. 
I'm going to take communion myself as an example, and then we're going to do, just come up and do it when you're ready. So, Father, we, we see this loaf of bread as your body that was broken for us. And the night you took bread and you broke it, and you said, this is my body. Father, we're not just looking at bread. We're looking at people that you've called, people you died for, people, God, that uh, aren't even saved yet. And we say, Father, we love, we love your body. Lord, we love your body that was broken for us. And we love the body that you are raising up in the earth, Father. Open our eyes to see the beauty of the different parts, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we just lift up this juice as a representation of the blood. The blood that cleanses. The blood that can be the protection to keep demons from entering our homes. Father, to keep sorcery from touching our bodies. Father, there's an immunity when we acknowledge the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the the life-giving force that runs through every believer in this room, every believer in this county. Father, we love the blood and where it runs. We love the blood and the veins through which it flows. All of them, every part. In this, we in Jesus' name, we will not be a part, we say today, of an autoimmune disease that attacks the body. We value the blood. Thank you, Lord. Go with God and go with the protection of the blood of the Lamb.